0: Welcome to Least of These, where I cover the cases that need it most because every life matters and everyone deserves justice. I'm your host, Leah D, and today I'll be covering the case of Martha Jean Lambert in Elton, Florida. Let's get right to it. Martha Jean Lambert was born on March 26, 1973. She was the youngest of Howard and Margaret Lambert's three children and the only girl. Her life at home wasn't perfect. The St. Augustine Record reported that Martha and her brothers were tossed in and out of the foster care system due to suspected abuse. They'd spend periods away from Margaret and Howard, but somehow were always placed back in their care. And it didn't seem things ever improved much. The kids often appeared dirty and unkempt, and as the boys got older, they had ran away from home on multiple occasions. According to reports, their father Howard was an alcoholic, and according to neighbors, they frequently heard him yelling from inside the house. One neighbor told the St. Augustine Record that there was, quote, lots of anger in that family. The same neighbor described Martha's brothers and family as strange. For what it's worth, there was a huge difference in age between Howard and Margaret. Like, he was old enough to be her father. Scratch that, he could have even been her grandpa. And that may not be as weird if it had not been for the fact that according to reports, when the pair got together, Margaret was in her late teens and Howard was staring 60 straight in the face. Howard was over 40 years her senior. Fast forward to the fall of 1985. By this time, Margaret was 33, Howard was 74, their eldest son Raymond was 15, middle son David was 14, and Martha Jean was 12. The family of five lived in a mobile home off of Carrie Lynn Road in St. John's County. Martha Jean was a 7th grader at Ketterlinus Junior High. For all the reports of turmoil in the Lambert home, by all accounts, Martha Jean was a kind and friendly girl but she could get a little fired up if she needed to. Her mother later told the St. Augustine Record that Martha Jean often played peacekeeper between her two brothers, and that the 7th grader loved soccer, singing country music, fried potatoes, and spaghetti. November 27, 1985 started out like any other day. Martha Jean went to school and was released at about 5.30 p.m., That sounds late in the day for a middle school student to be getting out, and it is, but there was a good reason for it. You see, roughly four years prior, on Sunday, February 8, 1981, the school had burned down due to an act of arson. The old building was a total loss. According to the St. John's District website, 19 classrooms were destroyed and the damage was over a million dollars. The only thing that survived in the building was a clock that remains in the school to this very day. And in the midst of the fire, the principal at the time, Robert Braden, had rushed inside the building to grab any important documents he could carry out. He didn't make it out with the paperwork, but he did drag out an unconscious firefighter with the help of a local photographer. The ceiling had collapsed and the firefighter was unconscious and trapped. They saved the firefighter's life. Not only was Principal Braden a hero in that regard, but the entire school district was so devoted to educating their students that classes resumed four days after the fire. In order to serve all the students, however, the school day had to be split. Some students attended from 7.30 to 12.30, and the second session began at 12.30 and ran until 5.30 p.m. This was still the schedule four years later on November 27, 1985. Martha Jean Lambert got out of school at 5.30pm, and on that particular day, she was extra excited. I'm sure all the kids were. That kind of excitement that bubbles through the school and all the kids the day before any holiday break. The next day was Thanksgiving, and Martha Jean just couldn't wait. She'd be out of school and her family was going to be gathering together to spend the holiday at her grandmother's house. There was going to be plenty of food, all her extended family, and everything that comes with Thanksgiving. The holiday season is just around the corner, and with it comes gift-giving, lots of great food, and of course, dreaded holiday portraits. And you know any time portraits are involved, your skin is going to decide now is the time to break out, Or that wrinkle is going to decide, now is its time to shine. Like last Christmas when this one wrinkle on my forehead decided to take center stage in every photo. Literally every one. While we can't control other aspects of the holidays, we can make sure you feel confident and camera ready for your photos. That's why I'm excited to partner with Apostrophe. Apostrophe's goal is to help you feel confident in your own skin. Whether you're dealing with breakouts, signs of aging, or acne scarring, Apostrophe will help you love the skin you're in. Apostrophe is an online platform that connects you with an expert dermatology team to get customized acne treatment for your unique skin. Simply fill out an online consultation about your skin goals and medical history, then snap a few selfies and a dermatology provider will create a customized treatment plan just for you. I just got my customized treatment in earlier this week and I'm already seeing results. That wrinkle has gone from lead role to supporting actor in just a few days and I'm excited for it to be gone completely. And over the weekend, I got to put apostrophes screen to the test. My son had a baseball tournament which lasted all weekend, and I brought along Apostrophe's Lightweight Blendable Sunscreen, which was designed for acne-prone skin. The whole family fell in love with it. Not only do we not look like lobsters, our skin is feeling soft and hydrated. And there was not even one complaint when it was time to apply or reapply. If you're looking for a customized skincare routine, right now we have a special deal for our audience. Get your first visit for only $5 at apostrophe.com slash LEAST when you use our code LEAST. That's a savings of $15. This code is only available to our listeners. To get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash LEAST and click Get Started. Then use our code LEAST at sign up and you'll get your first visit for only $5. Thank you, Apostrophe, for sponsoring this episode. After school, the holiday break kinda kicked off early. Martha Jean went to her friend's house, a friend who happened to be a neighbor and also lived on Carrie Lynn Road. According to what Margaret told authorities, there was a social gathering over at the neighbor's house. Margaret was there, and when Martha Jean got out of school, she headed over there as well. For a couple of hours, Martha played until about 7.30 p.m. At that time, Martha Jean told Margaret, quote, Mom, I'm going over. I'll be back in five minutes. According to Margaret, going over meant Martha Jean was headed back to their family home. It was just right down the road, and Martha Jean had walked that road plenty of times before. In 1985, and even now, Carrie Lynn Road is tucked back out of the way. It wasn't a highly traveled road, and you wouldn't really have any business being back there unless you lived there or were visiting someone who did. The kids who did live there frequently walked to each other's houses and hung out together. This was the 80s and things were different. So Margaret thought nothing of it when her 12-year-old daughter left to go home. Besides, her father Howard was back at the house reportedly cooking dinner, and one of her brothers was there with him as well. But Martha Jean never returned back to the neighbors. Martha Jean Lambert was never seen again. As the hours passed, with no sign of Martha Jean, her mother Margaret walked from the neighbors back home. She thought maybe Martha Jean had just decided to stay there, but when she got back home, her daughter was nowhere to be found. What happened next depends on who you believe. We'll get there, I promise. According to Martha's family, they searched the neighborhood for hours, walking up and down the street asking if anyone had seen the 12-year-old, but no one had. So, they contacted police at 3 o'clock in the morning. Martha Jean was described as a white female with blonde hair and blue eyes. She was approximately 4'5 and weighed 70 pounds. Martha had two distinctive birthmarks on her upper left chest and on the front of her right thigh. And when she had last been seen, she was wearing a short-sleeved summer dress over a two-piece bathing suit. Her clothing choice might sound a bit odd for the day before Thanksgiving, but remember, this was Florida and it's always hot here. Anyhow, the police arrived on scene and initially, according to reports, while they did search the immediate area, at first they believed Martha Jean had run away from home. And that wasn't exactly too far-fetched because, as we know, her home life was less than ideal and her two older brothers had a history of running away. Perhaps police assumed Martha Jean was just another one of the Lambert kids who wanted out. But as investigators began to speak with Martha Jean's immediate family and the neighbors about the circumstances surrounding her disappearance, it became clear pretty quickly that something was off about the whole thing, and everybody had a different story to tell. Various neighbors reported seeing Martha Jean walking west on Carrie Lynn Road that night, While I couldn't find an exact time, it seems that it was later than 7.30 p.m. Others reported that they had seen two men in a suspicious green van in the area soon after Martha Jean left the neighbor's house. It was considered suspicious because neighbors out there knew one another, and nobody seemed to know who was driving this green mystery van. But they did know that it sure didn't belong to anyone who lived on Carrie Lynn Road. And when it came to Martha Jean's family, of course, they had stories all of their own. According to Find the Missing, her father Howard said she came home for a brief moment and then left to go back to her mom over at the neighbor's. Her brother David said she came home, they shared a baked potato, and then Martha Jean headed out the door. When David asked her where she was going, she told him it was none of his concern, and then she left. Margaret's story was that the last time she had seen her daughter was at the neighbor's house at approximately 7.30pm, when Martha Jean told her she'd be right back. Margaret claimed, of course, that after Martha Jean didn't return, she walked home to find her. And when she did, Margaret told the St. Augustine Record that when she walked up to the family trailer, her son David walked out laughing. Why he was laughing, she didn't know and David wouldn't tell her. She stated to the outlet, It bothers me that my youngest boy wouldn't tell me what he was laughing about. As the days passed, with no signs of Martha Jean, police, her family, and the neighbors searched areas along State Road 207 and wooded areas around the Lambert home, but they found absolutely no trace of her. The police stopped looking at Martha Jean as a runaway and began to believe that she may have fallen victim to foul play. Early on in the investigation, David Lambert raised suspicions as his story about the last time he saw his sister began to change. Of course, we have the baked potato story, but at one point, David told police that he saw Martha getting into a black vehicle. At another point, he claimed he watched Martha Jean walk down the road towards the Little Champ on State Road 207. The Little Champ was a convenience store roughly two or three miles from the Lambert home and it appears it was somewhere the Lambert kids walked to frequently. According to Margaret, however, Martha Jean wouldn't have walked that far alone without one of her brothers. But according to David, she did, or at least that was one version of the story he told. You can see why investigators were giving David a strong side-eye. Though he was only a 14-year-old boy, these weren't minor variations of the same story. These were completely different stories. Why would he lie about the last time he saw his sister? It seemed his mother Margaret didn't think her son was being completely honest either. She told the St. Augustine Record that she believed her son may know something he has never been able to say about Martha Jean's disappearance. But unlike the police, she had an answer as to why her son would lie. She feared that Martha Jean had been abducted, and David had been threatened by the people who abducted her daughter. And make no mistake, Margaret fully believed that her daughter had been abducted. With absolutely nothing to go on, Martha Jean's disappearance was eventually listed as an abduction by the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. The days turned into weeks with no sign of Martha Jean and the searches eventually fizzled out. Though police now suspected something bad had happened, they had no evidence to prove it. And further, they found the statements from the witnesses to be completely unreliable. Martha's case went cold. Sure, there was a tip here or there, but nothing solid ever came of them. Those weeks turned into months, the months into years and the years into a decade. The brothers grew up. Howard and Margaret divorced, according to Margaret, because Howard's drinking escalated even more after Martha Jean's disappearance, and they argued and fought more than ever. Howard Lambert remained in the house on Carrie Lynn Road until his death in May of 1995. Margaret left the state of Florida and eventually remarried another man who was also much older than she was. As an adult, Martha Jean's brother David Lambert was in and out of trouble with the law. Charges of petty larceny, drug-related charges, dealing in stolen property, burglary, and battery. 15 years after Martha Jean's disappearance in 2000, David was picked up for attempting to write worthless checks. That's when, according to Detective Tice with the St. John County Sheriff's Office, as he spoke to the St. Augustine Record, David Lambert told officers, quote, I need to get this off my chest. I'm responsible for my sister's death. He told officers at that time that he had buried his sister at the pits, which was a coquina mine on Holmes Boulevard nearby the family home. The details of David's first confession weren't made public, and police searched the area extensively, but nothing was ever found. And without a body, the district attorney wasn't willing to move forward with charges. Martha Jean's case went cold again. Two years later, in 2002, a tip came into the sheriff's office that Martha Jean's body had been buried by State Road 207. Radar equipment was brought in to search the area, but again, nothing was found. And again, there was no movement on her case for years. That was until June of 2009, when cold case detectives Tice and Cole decided to give Martha Jean's case another look. The detectives went out and re-interviewed the witnesses that were still alive, and those they could track down and many of those witnesses suggested the investigators should talk to David Lambert again. So, they did. There were three interviews over the course of three days. Investigators spoke to David roughly 20 hours. By this time, David Lambert was 38 years old, and so much time had passed. Detective Tice printed out a photo of Martha Jean and placed it on the table in the interview room. Tice gestured to the photo frequently and reminded David that this was about his sister, Martha Jean. And according to the detectives, David tiptoed his way up to a full confession. David told detectives that on that November day in 1985, he and Martha Jean left the Lambert family home and walked to the abandoned Florida Memorial College at the corner of King Street and Holmes Boulevard. David was trying to escape the arguing between their parents over a burnt Thanksgiving turkey. According to David, Margaret had burned the turkey and Howard was angry. He and Martha Jean walked down to the abandoned college, which was a place kids in that area frequently played, to include the Lambert kids. Detective Cole described it as a, quote, poor kid's Disney World. The college had been closed for years, the buildings were empty, windows busted, and debris was everywhere, but the local kids thought it was a decent hangout spot. Earlier, David had given Martha Jean $20 to take to the Little Champ convenience store. She had spent a little over $4 on sweets and candy. At the college, David asked for his change back, but Martha Jean wouldn't give it to him. According to David, though Martha Jean was small, he described his sister as feisty beyond her size. The two argued and Martha Jean punched David in the face. He got angry and shoved her, and Martha Jean fell backwards. The back of her head near the base of her skull was impaled by a piece of metal that was sticking up from the ground. Realizing something was wrong, David lifted Martha Jean up, but the damage was done. According to David, there was a large hole in the back of her head and blood was pouring out. David cried out for help, hoping someone walking by would hear him, but no one did. He panicked and grabbed a piece of a sign. He used the sign to dig a hole three feet deep. He laid Martha Jean on her back, covered her up, and went home. When asked why he thought burying his only sister was better than going for help, he told the detectives that he was afraid because he thought his parents would kill him. Hey y'all, winter is basically here, and I'm gonna be honest, it's not my season. One of the worst parts is struggling to find the right temperature when I'm going to sleep. The heat's on and I don't want to be cold, but I also don't want to wake up drenched in sweat. Let me just tell ya, i found a way to avoid all that and stay the perfect temperature all night long using silver-infused bedsheets by Miracle Made that were inspired by NASA. Using silver-infused fabrics, Miracle Made Sheets are thermoregulating and designed to keep you at the perfect temperature all night long, so you get better sleep every night. Miracle Sheets are luxuriously comfortable, too, without the high price tag of other luxury brands and feel as nice, if not nicer, than sheets used by some five-star hotels. And with the holiday season quickly approaching, Miracle Sheets make the perfect gift for your spouse, friends, or family. I mean, who doesn't want better sleep and luxurious feeling bed sheets? And since these come with three free towels, you get two gifts in one. You should probably keep the towels for yourself. I'm just saying I would. Now is the perfect time to get these sheets in your life. Just go to TryMiracle.com to try it today or gift it to someone special this holiday season. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. You can save over 40%, and if you use our promo lease at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. Miracle is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get a free refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash and use the code LEASE to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40%. Again, that's TryMiracle.com slash least to treat yourself, a friend, or loved one this holiday season. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. (music) Detective Tice told St. Augustine.com, He was terrified. He was terrified of his mama. Still is. David wrote out a statement for detectives. The statement was a couple lines on a ruled sheet of paper and a map showing where West King Street and Holmes Boulevard intersect at the college. As he was writing the statement, he agonized over every letter. Detective Cole told the outlet, It was like nothing you've ever seen. He was in the interview room by himself, picking up the pen, writing a letter a word, putting the pen down, coiling over it. You knew it was real. David wasn't agonizing over the statement because he feared going to jail. You see, authorities believe David's confession fully. They believe that he had no intent of killing his sister that day and that it had all been a tragic accident. They believed it despite the fact that it didn't line up with what he had said previously or what the other family members had said. Despite the inconsistencies and unanswered questions, detectives believe David's newest confession in part due to his obvious emotions as he told it. But David Lambert would face no charges. The state attorney's office reviewed the reports and decided manslaughter would have been the most appropriate charge. But in 1985, the state of Florida had a statute of limitations, which had already ran out, meaning too much time had passed with no charge. A media release read in part, quote, changes in the law since 1985, the suspect's age at the time and other mitigating circumstances would preclude charges from being filed. David wasn't scared of the legal system, but as we know, according to detectives, he was afraid of his mother. I'd just like to point out that the law has changed and there are currently no statute of limitations for manslaughter in Florida. With his confession, Cruz immediately went out to search the college. The grounds were sectioned off into four five-acre zones and searched by half a dozen canines trained in detecting human remains. The dogs showed a behavioral change near the spot mapped out by David, but the area was excavated with no results. It had been 24 years. The old buildings had been leveled and the ground cleared away. Police believe the construction removed or scattered any remains that might have existed. But they fully believed that David Lambert was telling the truth this time, and that he had lied previously because he was afraid. It was clear David was still afraid to tell his mother what had happened. Detectives made arrangements for David to come clean to Margaret with them present. On November 13, 2009, nearly 24 years to the day Martha Jean vanished, Margaret was brought to the St. John's County Sheriff's Department. She was seated on one side of the table and her son was brought in and took the chair across the table from her. The detectives told Margaret that they believed they had finally uncovered the truth of what happened to her daughter all those years ago. But unfortunately, were unable to recover Martha Jean's body from the abandoned college due to all the construction over the years. They then turned it over to her son, David.
1: Okay, and I, I want to turn it over to David because David's got to tell you some things. And then Skip and I are going to be here to support David in telling you these things and answer any questions that you might have. Okay? Okay. Um,
2: Basically, uh, the truth of the matter is, me and Martha went to Yale College, um, and... We got into a big argument and fight. then it was over money that uh, she wouldn't give back to me. It was some change of uh, $20 bill. She held off, punched me. Um, I then, not thinking. Backwards and her head, when she fell backwards, her head impaled on something sharp that was sticking out of the ground. I then said, Are you alright? I run over to her um, and she just moaned a little bit. Um and then there was nothing else. I hollered out for help <clears throat> to because Almost um, so little Bar was right there. Nobody came. Um nobody yelled back or anything. Um I didn't Want believer, <clears throat> I freaked out. I didn't said I didn't know what to tell tell so, y'all. No, I couldn't tell y'all. I just freaked. Uh, so I not thinking. I, I didn't think. I to leave. call him, Let him finish. Let him finish. Let me finish. I, <clears throat> I first that trip. I just didn't know I buried, I didn't know what to do, I, it was the wrong thing to do, I buried, I was 14 years old, I wasn't like. um, I then came home after that, but she was dead, definitely dead before a bear that uh, I know. Um because I checked her stomach and all that. <clears throat> um I then after that I sat there for about thirty minutes, thirty to forty five minutes. Just didn't know what to I went home, I got cleaned up. <clears throat> I regret. I'm sorry that it happened. I regret pushing her. I wish I could go back in time and and not not have done that. I wish I could turn time. Back. If had I turned time, if I could turn time back, I I would just. You know, he told totally money, you know. Uh, but it was all over money. And you know what money will do to you when you're a kid. I don't know if, when you were a kid, if you had a certain amount of money, that money was valuable to you then. You know. But it, that's the way it was with me when I was a kid. Every time I got, I depend on it. <clears throat> because I'm the that I had to work for. It. I can't believe um, what I just heard. But it was a freak accident. Um, when, a when he was so close to her.
1: Wasn't that close? I mean, as close, yeah, but you know, even Marga, hold on, Dave. Mark I think is important is that even as close, I got siblings, brothers, and sisters, and we're close, but yeah, we fought. And probably the reason why we're still alive today is because we just didn't have a freak accident, as David's described to you, happened to us. But I fought with my brothers like so nobody's fight business. worse. We fight worse <laughs> and more passionate. Okay, yeah. I think what. The tragedy in this is, is that Martha died as a result of a fight with David. That is, is a tragedy, but it's a freak accident. The other part of this is twofold, because the other part of this is that he, he may not. you may feel that he may react properly when Martha got injured, but he reacted the only way at that 14 years old he was able to figure out to do. Okay, That's the way kids act. It's the way they act. They're impulsive. They don't think about things. They don't think things through. They don't have the. They get scared. They don't have the emotional, shall we say, stamina to deal with stuff like that, or the capability to deal with stuff like that. The important part here is that 100% he never intended to kill his sister. It was a freak accident. And he's lived with it for the last 24 years. He's never told anybody that's living anyway. He may have told his ex wife. We're not sure. He's not sure, but it's important to him that you don't disown him. Well, uh, it's important to him that you understand
2: what happened back then. And it's important to us that you believe what you're hearing. Because it's not going to be good for you. It's not going to be for good for him to think anything other than what he just told you because it's the truth. And that's the truth. <clears throat> well, you need a tissue, David? The healing process needs to start today. Do you believe him longer? Uh, you know, I, I can believe him, okay, but, uh, maybe he, uh, he um. goes so far as to forgiving, okay? I will never forgive it. Nor and nor should you. He'll never forget it. You I shouldn't know. forget it.
1: You need and to forgive family, him
2: because he I, was a child. The rest okay. of the family. I've carried this for long. We him. will desert him. We can't control what anybody outside this room does, but you can control what you do and he can control what he does, and he needs his mother to forgive him. And maybe if you do it, maybe other people will see the wisdom to do the dude's same.
0: If you've been listening for a while, then you know one of the most important things in my life is sleep. Seriously, they don't call me the nap queen around here for nothing, so I'm always looking for ways to improve my sleep. I have to admit that at first I was skeptical about Blissey's silk pillowcase after I seen it all over the internet, because I never believe the internet. But I can't even tell you how much I love my Blissy pillowcase. Not only is it good for sleep, always keeping your side of the pillow perfectly cool. Blissey's award-winning 100% percent mulberry silk pillowcases have been amazing for my hair. This pillowcase reduces frizz, tangles, and prevents hair breakage, and I don't wake up looking like a rat found itself a cozy little home on top of my head. It keeps the moisture in your hair and not on your skin where it belongs, since silk does not absorb the moisture from your hair or off your face. Say goodbye to frizzy, dry hair and wrinkles, dry, flaky red skin in the morning, and wake up refreshed with healthier skin and hair. Blissy Silk Pillowcases are the best silk pillowcases on the market. I don't think I can ever go back to a regular pillowcase again. They have a ton of different prints and colors, and they make great gifts because there's an option for literally anyone. The holidays are just around the corner, and if you're looking for the best gift you can give, look no further than a Blissy Silk Pillowcase. Silk is honestly the most luxurious gift to give your friends or family. These are the perfect gift for any occasion, plus it comes in gift-ready packaging they'll be sure to love. Literally, everyone in my house has tried to steal my Blissey Pillowcase, my husband included. They're all getting one for Christmas, and they just don't know it yet. Blissey pillowcases have over 1.5 million raving fans, and you could be next. Try now, risk-free for 60 nights at blissy.com/least and get an additional 30% off. That's b-l-i-s-s-y.com/least and use code LEAST to get an additional 30% off. Give yourself the gift of a good night's sleep with Blissy. Though Margaret left the sheriff's office, telling investigators that she believed her son's confession, it didn't last long. When news broke that David Lambert had confessed to accidentally killing his sister all those years ago, David recanted his story. He claimed he was forced into that confession by detectives. David Lambert told News Four Jacks that he was quote mentally incompetent when he made those statements, and that detectives took advantage of his mental capabilities. He went on to say that he had no idea what happened to his sister, and when asked if he thought her killer was still on the loose, he said, no, I think she's still alive. Margaret no longer believed David's confession either. She told First Coast News and the Florida Times Union that there was, quote, no way he could have had anything to do with her disappearance, and that her son makes up tales to look like he's involved in things as a way of getting attention. Margaret claimed that police just wanted Martha Jean's case closed and contradicted her statement of David making up tales and further stated she didn't believe David had confessed at all because detectives had separated her from her son during the interviews. Mind you, at this time, her son was 38 years old. But police stood by their belief that David Lambert was responsible for Martha Jean's death. Detective Cole contended that David had retracted his statement again out of fear. He said, I can tell you his life has been horrendous. He hasn't developed emotionally or psychologically since the incident occurred. In a lot of ways, he's still that same scared 14-year-old. Margaret never accepted her son's confession. According to reports in February of 2020, she died in St. John's, Florida. She went to her grave believing that her daughter had been abducted. Though detectives with the St. John's County Sheriff's Office believe they have solved Martha Jean's case, without a body, she remains listed in missing persons databases. And there are some that still believe that Martha Jean's case is far from solved, and that the real killer has not been uncovered. Over the years, her brother David remained a suspect in the eyes of police. But there were others too, like the two men driving the green van that have never been identified. Her father, Howard, was looked at as well. But he was 74 at the time of Martha's disappearance, and police believed he was too frail to have disposed of a body. And then there was Clifford Morgan. According to the St. Augustine Record, in 1985, Cliff was a 60-year-old man who lived in the neighborhood. He had a reputation for wanting children to hang around his house, and he knew the Lambert family. In fact, Detective Michael Kintiri, a cold case detective who worked on Martha Jean's case in the late 1990s, told the outlet that Martha had been overed his trailer on a number of occasions. Unfortunately, Cliff had been beaten to death in a robbery not long after Martha disappeared. Lieutenant Chuck West, who was one of the initial detectives on the robbery murder case, spoke out about Cliff being involved. He said, Morgan was a strange man, but I don't think he had anything to do with Martha's disappearance. In addition to the others who had raised suspicions, there are all the inconsistencies and the different stories, like how Margaret claimed she was at the neighbor's house before Martha Jean vanished and Howard was the one cooking at home. But in David's confession, they were both at the house arguing. Was he wrong or was Margaret? Why was the turkey already being cooked the evening before the gathering at the grandmother's? Was David wrong about this too, or could it have been for the event at the neighbor's? At what point had Martha Jean went to the convenience store? Despite a full confession, there are so many unanswered questions. Questions that someone out there just might have the answers to. Though detectives believe Martha Jean Lambert's case is solved, they still ask anyone who knows anything to come forward. You can contact the St. John's County Sheriff's Office at 904-824-8304 with any information. Martha Jean Lambert was just 12 years old. Whether her death was an accident or something far more sinister, her life was ripped away from her before it had really even begun. While researching this case, I came across an article written about Martha Jean in 1999 That stopped me in my tracks and stuck with me as I wrote this episode. It read, and I quote, She would be a pretty young woman of 26 now, with long blonde hair and a sunny disposition. Her grades at school were poor, and there was no tradition of books or learning in her family, so she would have probably remained uneducated, maybe working a menial job somewhere. Maybe she would be raising a child. Pretty, with long blonde hair, a sunny disposition, but uneducated, working a menial job, maybe with a kid or two. Martha Jean's life reduced down to some third grade description of her appearance, and her value reduced to her job and her level of education. Nope, I'm not having it. This wasn't the only time Martha Jean was referred to in this way, but it was the most egregious. Since the 90s, we've come a long way in recognizing that every person matters regardless of the circumstances they find themselves in. But this bias of valuing one life more than another, whether that's due to socioeconomic status, race, gender, or anything else, still exists. And we still have such a long way to go. Martha Jean Lambert was so much more than her circumstances. A person's struggle doesn't have to become their identity. Sure, Martha Jean was born into a shitty situation, but that doesn't mean that she somehow was destined to become less. That doesn't mean that her life was any less valuable. She was a 12-year-old child who had an entire lifetime ahead of her and countless opportunities to rise above her raisin. She had hopes and dreams just like any other 12-year-old, and there is no limit on what she might have achieved had her life not been cut short. Martha Jean Lambert loved singing country music, spaghetti, soccer, fried potatoes, and spending time at her grandmother's. Her life had value far beyond anything we can measure. May she forever be remembered for who she was and not the circumstances she was born into. For more information on this case, head over to my Instagram, at least underscore of these, or my Facebook, at least of these podcasts. I'll be taking next week off for Thanksgiving, but we'll be featuring a podcast I love just in case you need something to do while you're getting ready for the holiday. I hope you guys all have a great Thanksgiving and I'll be back the following Thursday with an all-new episode, so make sure to hit that subscribe button if you haven't already so you don't miss it. You can finally get all your episodes ad-free just the way you like them for just $2 a month. And as a member of Patreon, you'll be the first to be notified when new tiers will be launched with exclusive episodes and a few bonus surprises. Go on over to patreon.com slash least of these to support the show today. Thank you for listening. Thank you for caring. If you know something, say something. And until next time, be good to each other.